Hey everyone, we're back. Um, me and Jared have been on assignment for most of June, so we uh, haven't had any new episodes out, which we're sorry about. But today uh, we're here to talk about, well, we, we start out talking about Coca-Cola for some reason, and then uh, we'll have our discussion of The Great Showman, uh, which was recorded back in February, when the film had been uh, out for about six weeks. Even now, it's it's playing, it's still playing, you know, days and things in certain cinemas. It's had a, a towering run from a from a really stuttering start, and um, and it's found an audience and is is a phenomenon in its own right for some reason. Um, so most of our information in this one will be from February, uh, before the Oscars, before the other things. So you'll you'll find some stuff that's a bit I've de- I've edited it a bit, so it's um, so it makes more sense. Uh, we ramble around it a lot. I had to take a lot out of this one. Um, which might reappear in, in later episodes. But I, I hope you enjoy it all, and um, I'll be back afterwards to wrap up. Cool. So what, do you have a, 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 some kind of drink that you're drinking? Um, I, am, I have a part of a thing of Ribena. I have here my, my Bath Rugby cup. Maybe. And um, I have uh, I grabbed a beer on the way down, which is a <clears throat> Wooden Hand Brewery Truro Cornwall Session IPA Dab Hand. Oh. which I will crack open in a wee bit if I want to be it but having just woken up it's at the moment I'm not quite there yet it doesn't have someone doing that annoying dabbing thing on there does it on the label Dab no it's hand. just got like a little it's almost like a little piece type deal can you see that oh yeah oh cool like a little, uh, a little star like John Cena John Cena style yes was it Phoenix Phil who posted a meme on Read It, Read It and Geek the other day where it was Hogan and, Ro- and The Rock in the foreground and someone else maybe, and John Cena standing in the background and it was like, you know, my time is coming. Your time is up, my time is now. Yes. No, really, no, yeah. I, uh, it probably, it probably was because he's, he's one of the few on there who, who will respond if you post something such as that. Yes. Um, I, I don't know the last time I was on Facebook, so I can't. Oh, fair enough. Um, I didn't see it, put it that way. But yes, I'm going to say it was. Well done, Phil. That was hilarious. Marvellous. Marvellous. I'll find it. I will like it. And you'll know that I've liked it. And that's when we did this. That's when we recorded this show. Yeah. I have a new a new release. It is a ginger lime Diet Coke. They've kind of oh. relaunched Diet Coke over here. And they've done a bunch of flavors. And this one is um, one of the few bearable ones. What does it taste like? It kind of tastes like ginger beer a little bit with a with a kind of twist of lime it's, it's actually pretty good so where does the coca-cola element come into it it's brown right i had uh we had some drinks on friday afternoon and i was saving my my booze for the evening because i was driving and so i i was like oh what shall i have and they had this like horrible looking fruit uh fizz piss and i was like i don't want that then there was a bottle of coke and i was like i could do it with caffeine i'm a bit tired so yeah. i had a small glass of coke did nothing for me. No. It was just like, this tastes like metal and caramel. Like, I can't. It, 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 regular Coke is, is just far too sugary. I, when I was when we did the um, Mania episode, uh, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was fine, but it was just like, I realized there's a reason I don't drink this stuff regularly anymore. Yeah, no, I, I, I occasionally miss the idea of a Jack and Coke, mm-hmm. but I can have one if I want one, you know, kind of sure. thing. I don't have a lot of caffeine anymore. Um, but, uh, but that didn't, it didn't, Make me want one later that night. Put it that way. So I had a gin and tonic. I had a giant gin and tonic on uh, Friday night. There you go. Um, did they do uh, like you know Red Bull cans? Yeah. 
those long, thin, tall cans. Yes. Do they do Coke in those now? Because that's what we get. That, so Diet that, Coke comes in one of those now. That relaunch was... So if you buy a 12-pack, you get it in the regular stubby can. But yeah. if you go to anywhere, like a store or gas station or anywhere to, to buy one, they're all in those thin cans, and they just relaunched those like a couple of weeks ago. So That's the got, first time those have been there? or Yes. They've got the regular Diet Coke in those cans, and then all the, I think, four or five different flavors in those as well. Yeah. Is there... like a cherry, a mango, uh, um, an orange, um, yeah. and then the ginger lime. I think that's it. This... No... Yeah, I, I get the feeling like a couple of them are going to last. They've done Diet Coke with lime for quite a long time, but to me it's always tasted like Diet Coke with Washing a shot of fairy. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. good. They should brand it like that with the, with the fairy people. They should. I like to teach the world to sing. Sing with me. Little baby on the can. It can be no dawn tea. over here or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's Dawn Street. Yeah, for it, yeah. But yeah, I, and uh, the orange one always tasted like uh, they had a bit of sick in it to me. Oh yeah, I forgot about the orange one actually. The vanilla one, I could, I could just about tell. I could no, I can. I've never been able to handle the vanilla cokes. They just always taste like um, they've got some walled blue ribbon ice cream mixed into them a little bit to me. Sure, I liked about it. It's like having a coke float when you were a kid. You oh, know, yourself yeah. dumping yeah. a load of ice cream into a coke. Okay. Ah, oh, Coke. This week's this episode is brought to you Ah, Coke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Coke. Wouldn't that be a refreshing kind of... Hang on a minute. Imagine just opening a Coke right now. <sighs> oh, wow, that smells so beery. It's not Coke, by the way, folks. <laughs> it's my dad had session idea. I wasn't going to break into, but it was worth it. For that gag. Yeah, so that's from a multipack. You like that one enough to get a multipack? Uh, uh, yes, yes, it's 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 good. So yeah, yeah, got a got a kind of twelve pack of it. That was the only way I could find it actually, because they've got the thin cans, but it seems like they've only given certain flavors to certain places, and I could only find the mango and the cherry in uh, in in the stores within the thin cans. So I wanted to try this, so I just bought a twelve pack. Uh, have you tried the mango? Yes, it's disgusting. I was about to say, is it as disgusting as it sounds? I can't imagine that would ever work. It is. No, no. So. The, pro the problem with it is that, so back in the very early 90s, I think, I think oh, Birmingham. <laughs> I think Birmingham was a test area for like Pepsi because we'd occasionally get weird new flavors and they did a Pepsi Tropical and a Pepsi Raspberry at one point. I only ever found it in one little store right by a, a, a nature preserve called Mosley Bog. And but I remember mostly bog. Mostly bog. That's what it's called. Mostly <laughs> um, bog. But but the, the the thing I remember about about the flavor that they used in it was that it didn't seem to go away. It was like one of those flavor those artificial flavors that gets stuck. It's like oil that seeps into things, and it takes a long time to get. Like you know, sometimes you get things on your fingers, and you can wash your hands. And then you can still get a little bit of whiff of it, like garlic or onions or something. It's like that. And the and the and the mango flavoring this. Yeah, but probably, yeah. <laughs> uh the uh the... you can't get rid of it. You get near that silage that fermenting really? hay and straw shit. It's not good. It's bad, bad times. Stay with you for ages. The mango flavor in this is like that. It's kind of like I could smell it for a couple of days and that really, really turned me off. It wasn't it wasn't <laughs> Yeah. 
Not a fan, not a fan. No. On on the cans, yes. what, why I ask is, why do you think? Why? Uh, falling sales has to be my guess, because they've, they've, they've done... Uh, well, they've done a fairly significant rebrand, like... For some reason, they rebranded Coke Zero. There was all this shit on Facebook where people were like, Coke Zero is being discontinued. And it was true, but all it was was they were changing the name to Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, which seems like far more effort. It seems like a lot of effort to go through a rebrand just to in lengthen. That's not a word. Elongthen the name um, to something. I mean, it must be driven by market research, surely, but but it still seems kind of pointless. A Coke Zero could be anything. Oh, yeah. But a Coca-Cola Zero Sugar... It's unambiguous. You know what that is. <laughs> and it's so much easier to order. You're like, hey, Bill, give me a Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. And uh, Bill says... What? And you go, come over here, Bill. <laughs> I need to order a drink. I'm not working today. All right, I'll ask, I'll ask the other guy. And then, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. What? Wow. <laughs> Fuck. Are you got any Coke Zeros? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got one. I got a warehouse full of them. Ultimately, it's, one of the, it's, it's a pointless rebranding effort as well because everyone still calls it, and is probably going to still call it, Coke Zero. Unless, like, there's, there's some, in the most affectionate way, fresh-off-the-boat immigrant who wants the, the Coca-Cola Zero Sugar then i came to the america for the coca-cola zero sugar exactly there's everyone's still going to call it coke zero just because it's easier to say you know what if they've done any of that here i should check it out yeah i know we still have all the, the zeros and whatnot and we this one's, one right there. well this, this is this this is the cherry coke zero and i i didn't notice what it was called before but it's it's called coca-cola cherry zero now so that's still called zero well, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. I imagine at some point it'll be called Coca-Cola Cherry Zero Sugar, or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar with Cherry, or some like. Bill, <laughs> are you on today? I'm still not working. <laughs> Marvelous. So, do you have an intro for the, the next film? No, I don't. Um, okay. I can put something here, I suppose, in this awkward cab. So that was the bit where, so, okay, so the next, that's the opening of the film. The next film that we're talking about is uh, big Hollywood musical, The Greatest Showman, a story about P.T. Barnum starring Huge Ackman. I kind of so I kind of love that Huge Ackman was introduced to us as Australian action guy Wolverine, Mister Tough Man, and now all he wants to do is sing and dance. I think that's marvelous. I would agree with that. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I could happily watch him sing and dance from awkward angles for the rest of his career. Absolutely, yeah. And and uh, we'll get to it. But there's there's just something about his face that is 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 kind of endearing. I don't. Um, but uh, so so this film opened. Um, and I was a little bit not sold on it by the trailer already. And 20 seconds in, I was like, I am out. Oh, I, really? I, uh, 20 seconds in, like when, when, so when it opens on the fantasy scene of him, yeah, it's like he's silhouetted and, and he gives that yeah. like, kind of like little, like, <laughs> stuff <with his> cane. 
Right, exactly. He's behind the, the bleachers or whatever. And I was like, I hate this. Really? Okay, okay. Plus 30 seconds? Totally in. Cynicism gone. I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> I went, it was like a roller coaster ride of like, oh, I don't want to watch this. To, to like, all right, I can, I can deal with this. This is good. Right, interesting. I wanted yeah. to see it because of the trailer. Okay. And then... I don't know that P.T. Barnum was a good guy. Kind of right, I've seen a lot of that. That became the whole narrative around the film's release. Yeah. Um, even though it seems to have done very well, regardless of, of what, what people generally and critics think. Um, and uh, uh, so I, I didn't see it until last week, um, which is which is six weeks into its run or more at this point, I think. Yeah, about that. Um and I, uh, I really wish I had just gone and seen it before Christmas, or after, or before the New Year, or whenever it came out. Yeah, um, I think it was right around I, New Year. It was essentially what I thought it was going to be from the trailer, but without the sort of um, Oscar buzz. Because when I saw the trailer, I thought, "Oh, there's, there's the first film I've seen a trailer for that looks like Oscar will give it some some notice." And I'm legendarily bad at picking what Oscars are gonna are gonna go for. Did, I, I, I didn't pay attention to the Oscars at all this year. Did it? Did it do horribly at the Oscars? Uh, well, it hasn't happened yet, but it didn't get a single nomination. So. Oh, okay. So I, th- I thought the Oscars already happened, so that shows you how little attention I'm paying to them. End of this month, start of March, something like that. I don't think okay. it got a single one unless it got like best song or something. But I don't think it did. I think this um, is another one where 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 the, the critics are kind of slamming it, but it's still really really selling. But people are also slamming it is a thing, and I think it's there's an audience for this film. And uh, it it isn't. Um, uh, oh, Keila Settler's going to perform at the Oscars, apparently. Oh, okay. Um, I've just found an article entitled "Keila Settle to Perform at Oscars 2018 as the Great Showman Continues to Make Box Office History." It had an absolutely disastrous opening weekend, though. It's a slow burner. It did eight yeah. million on its opening weekend. Eight. Shit, that is that is not good. No, con- oh yeah, here we are. That's ten percent, considering it's a production budget was eighty-four million. That's that's what this article in the Inquisitor, without with just an R at the end, is saying. Um, musical drama is now a total hit after uh, one hundred and twenty-six million is made so far, friend. But yeah, this this is my interesting fact about it. Um, it is apparently the only film in history to um, go to the number one spot again in its sixth week it is the number one movie in the uk at this moment wow uh after having dropped and dropped and dropped it's back at number one <laughs> weird i wonder what precipitated the return uh well i mean it went on to imax screens because i saw it in imax last week which probably uh, okay. helps with the ticket prices sure um but uh so it's probably that that's definitely got to be a part of it because the, the you know the tickets are costing a bit more and if there's a, re- a big return business then that's part of it but yeah. uh i think based on what I've heard, that there is an audience for this and it's just a touch younger and, and doesn't care about all the bullshit, okay. really. So yeah, because I, I, I think I was hypothesizing go. with you a little bit that, it, that it, I was wondering if it had, had captured the Mamma Mia audience almost. Because I have a very distinct image of, of us going to see something at View in Worcester and just being this sea of middle-aged white people going into Mamma Mia. <laughs> Um, and it's, 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 I just have a very specific image of that that audience, and I was wondering if it was that. And we kind of discussed that a little bit back and forth um, when when we were talking about you going to see it. Um, but but one of the things I noticed in in the screenings that I went to was that there was a significant number of 
I'd say late teenage girls, women, young women, um, who are in there for it, and and they seem to really be digging it. I would say, from what I've heard, that that is the case. That okay. it's a lot of teen and early twenties sort of um, school age kind of uh, school and college people. Um, people. I don't know about specifically women, but I guess it might make sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly my my screening on on Tuesday night or Wednesday night wasn't certainly wasn't the busiest, but um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't empty either. I went and uh, maybe... it's the, I, yeah, no, I'll get to that because that's audience stuff. Okay, I, I went maybe two weeks into its run. I think it was ten, maybe ten days, and it was rammed. I had a hard time getting tickets. Really? Yeah, yeah. I had to kind of do a compromise showtime because I, 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 it was. It was sold out, even like evening showings. I looked at like a nine thirty, and it, and there were like three, four seats up the front and on the sides. It was really full, and that's in a that's in a, a theater that seats maybe eighty because it's the the one with the luxury recliners. It's not like a giant. And the the the, the cinema that I go to is all all the the, the luxury recliners in all of the, all of the theaters. So shit point six, uh, not shit point six. <laughs> the AMC. Um, yeah. So, so that might not be a good judge of of, uh, of of you know how full the theaters really were, but but it seemed to me that it was it was it's been doing shockingly well, surprising for me. Buffo business. That yes. Yeah, it's been doing buffo, but no, I think it's I think it's good, and I'm glad. I'm, yeah. I'm, it's an interesting. I just I thought about it. I, I said I described it. I didn't describe it to anyone but myself while I was thinking about it as a bit of a faith restorer, weirdly. Interesting. Um, and uh, the fact that people are going to see it, and the fact that, like, with all the negativity swirling around, some of the films that are out at the moment, yeah, um, that people just are going and seeing it, and it's and it's gain, gaining this kind of weird groundswell from itself. Not to say it's perfect; it's really not. No, um, uh, but uh, it, it's really interesting to see that it's this huge sort of slow burn success story, and it's, I think, it's unique for the time it's come out, though, because I think if this was. Uh, an early summer movie or something it'd probably have its two weeks and get ditched probably it's because it's january and because there's not as much sort of stuff vying for screen space that it's it's had a chance to to find its audience yeah yeah find some legs interesting yeah yeah that, that's a good yeah, point i hadn't thought about that it wasn't really it was thrown into the that that kind of like negative void of of, of like where films go to die that they don't have much faith in that 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 uh, in terms of where the, where it's when it was released in the year so yeah, I suppose that 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 could be part of a success. Um, I wonder how they felt about that because I think it's not a it's it's not it's an open secret that that's that's kind of the time of year when films that studios have less less faith in tend to be released. Um, but, uh, but it was it was in the Christmas slot though, wasn't it? So it it probably they yeah. probably thought it would make its money. Yeah, that's true. Big style early and then and then go away. The fact that it's allowed to play through all of January and, and now a lot of February. December is... 20th. Yeah, never mind. I, I remember it coming out later yeah. than that. No, I was thinking because it was, uh, I think both that and downsizing were technically last year. Mm -hmm. I think. And, you know, it, it has gained this level of traction because there's not as much flying for it and because people are going to see it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the fact that it's now on the cinema I went to last night had it on two different screens. Um, you know, regular and IMAX. Yeah. You know, it, and that doesn't usually happen this late in a run, unless there's literally nothing else. No, that's true. Yeah. So, or it's doing boffo business. Yes, indeed. Boffo business. <laughs> Where you picked up this term? No, it's just boffo, isn't it? Is a thing. <laughs> um. 
It is doing boffo business. It is doing boffo business, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to find out if it's got Oscar noms. I don't think it has. No. Uh, so, so, so performance-wise, like getting into the, the content of, of it. Yeah, let's um, do it. I, I thought that... So I had a bit of a hard time with um, when Hugh Jackman was in Les Mis. I found him to, to, to not be the best singer. He, he could hold a tune, but he struggled sometimes. And a couple of the higher notes where he just sounded a little bit nasally and, and just not great. Um, but I think they, they, the approach to filming a musical that they took with this was more traditional. Uh, I know with Les Mis, they shot all of the, all of the, the singing performances were shot on set. Um, and they used the audio from on set, whereas this was clearly, they recorded it in a studio and they, they lip synced mimes. Yeah, to, I was to about it. to say, some of it I don't think was the people playing the roles at all. Uh, yes, particularly the, the, the smaller chap. Um, that's not his voice. Oh, Tom no, Thumb, yeah. None of that. There was nothing talking no about way. Fred Claus comparisons. Like, what the hell was going on with Tom Thumb? I don't like, know. Like, some of the time he seemed to just be a CG creation. Some yeah. of the time he seemed to be a boy. Yeah. And then he would speak and he'd have this, like, hey, how are you? Kind of voice. voice, yeah. And it didn't even seem close to his lip movements. And no. I was just like, what is, what is happening with Tom Thumb? And it has got, um, it's got an original score nomination. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, not original score, sorry, original song for This Is Me. Um... And uh, I haven't actually seen uh, three of the other films it's up against. I've only seen Coco. So between Coco and Great Showman, I'd have to say that Great Showman's probably going to get it. And the Oscar goes to Mexico, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez for Remember Me. Coco. And I'm legendarily bad at thinking what Oscars are going to go for. The, the the problem that I had performance-wise was, I suppose, it wasn't necessarily down to the performers. It was down to how they portrayed uh, people from a, a, a historical perspective performing music in a modern style. And the, the bit that really sticks out to me is... Oh, crud. What was the character's name who um, was the famous opera singer? Jenny Lind. Jenny Lind. Um when she's doing her big performance, What's this own Jenny Lind. Oh, really? Yeah, she's buried up near where you used to used to live. Oh, she's Swedish by rights, but she's buried up near where you used to live. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, oh. she she uh, ended her life in uh, the Mormons. Oh, very nice. Okay. So you've been in her chapel. Her chapel was where we shot Itawari. Oh, is that right? Okay, very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Jenny Lind Chapel is a is a well, what well, was part of the hospital? Yeah, yeah. Did they they preserve that building in the end? Didn't they? Yeah, the, but the the chapel. The chapel and, and everything around it. The back part of it, the ward and everything, that went. Yeah. Um, but most of that that big historic building is still there. Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. Um, th so that that song that she sings, I have a hard time with it anyway. Um, oddly, it's fun funny I've got two connections to that because it was all over the local local rags um, that the, the woman who sings that song is actually from Utah. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, so... so uh, you know, it's it's uh, the, 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 how does the song go? Uh, there's like a, a never, never, never re repeated. Yeah. And and the way she kind of performs with that, she kind of does like a body twitch, and it just seemed so completely wrong for the setting. And that was kind of what 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 took me out of it was this this contrast between the modern musical style and the historical yeah. setting 
And I understand why they did that because you know clearly it's 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 gonna survive and people want to buy the soundtrack. But if it if it was all kind of like vaudeville type music, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as successful. So I completely understand why they've done it, and I don't begrudge them for doing it. But it did take me out of it just a tad. Interesting. Uh, never never enough was the first time during the film where I cried. Oh okay. <laughs> Maybe the problem was that I went to the bathroom right before that scene started and came in halfway through it. Okay. Yeah. No, I, it, but it did. It made me tear up a couple of times as well. I, there were a few moments that it was that, that 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 were like that for me, definitely. Yeah, I thought it was weird because I, it's very much not a perfect film, and it is a lot of it is just pop music, which is fine. Yeah. Um, people are like, oh yeah, it's all lacking in substance or whatever. It's like so. What sh- what should it have done? Where where should it have gone? You know, kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, no, and that no, would really I, interest I me to know on a, on just a you know without them hopefully ho- uh, taking that as some sort of wild criticism of their right. you know lack of enjoyment of the film just to just to know what they think it should have done yeah then I, I agree i can steal those ideas and make <laughs> better films <laughs> right and that's that's kind of why i'm saying that i, I don't i don't begrudge the film for, for doing what it did because i think it was appropriate um it, it just there was the it took me out of it just a little bit um okay uh, not 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 enough to spoil my enjoyment of it at all not expecting to enjoy it at all and kind of just thinking, ah, I'll, I'll watch it just cause. Um, <laughs> but, but ended up actually really quite enjoying it. And um, it was, you know, the soundtrack stuck with me, you know, some of the songs have stuck in my head and that sort of thing. So um, I, I really enjoyed the uh, relationship between the, uh, I didn't realize until the end credits that it was Zac Efron and, um, okay. and uh, Zendaya, I believe is how you pronounce yeah. her name. It was you know, in Spider-Man. Um, yeah, look back at our Spider-Man review of us getting yes, it wrong to yeah. whatever we decided to say day as a dying I thought that their, their relationship and kind of the discussion around race and, and uh, social faux pas and, and, and norms was, was interesting. I thought that that, that was a, an interesting theme running throughout the film um, as to be expected given the fact that, you know, he was rounding up the freaks in inverted commas um, to, to perform and, uh, and then also, you know, defying the, the, the social norms of the time himself by coming from being nothing to, to then living on the same street as, as uh, his wife's parents who were, you know, clearly from old money. I enjoyed those themes that it tackled. They, they weren't delved into super deep, but um, it was, it was, it was good the way it was handled. It was presented nicely. I thought if, even if it's a historical, which I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I don't think I don't any think, of that happened. No, like five percent of it happened, and not the way, <laughs> not the way you think, or whatever. That's a quote from. Maybe a quarter of it happened, and not like this. And I don't think Barnum was a, was a champion of the uh, of, of the the marginalised and the uh, the trodden down in any way, really. No, I heard. I think it was Hugh Jackman talking about talking about it on something, and and so he did say, or somebody said, if it wasn't him, that uh, Tom Thumb did live in live with him until the day he died. Oh, really? That's interesting. You know, I'm not going to stand up for him or whatever. And I think that's, again, why a lot of people have gone at it. But it's, you know, do you, is it a print the legend or is it kind of like, is it too soon to do this? Or is right. it, and I think that's why people are getting angry because you're in a, an era now where you kind of have, you know, Trumpy baby in the White House being all like a piece of shit. Yeah. And so I guess people extrapolate and go like, how long till they make a nice Trumpy baby film? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. You know? And is that you know, if we've done that now with this guy and then turned him into some sort of savior of the, to whatever. So I get the argument. Sure. Me too. But 
you know, as a piece of entertainment taken on its own merits. Like, I don't know whether it would it have been better if it wasn't about if it was about fictional, you know, right, if it wasn't uh, just PT Barnum, if it was just a guy, yeah, yeah, you know, LT Snarnum, yeah, and his uh, so his uh, best, side, side be- bestest, museum. bestest thing on the planet, yeah. Would that's, that have been a better film? I don't you know. know. Does, it yeah. ma- does it matter that they, you know? And I think that's why probably the younger audience gravitate towards it because it's just kind of like, oh, give a shit, that stuff's old. Yeah, <laughs> it's, true. it's just like, this has got good songs. And Zac Efron, he's a hottie or whatever people say. They say he is bae. He, he is bae. <laughs> he is bae. That's what they say. You know? He's so, like, so okay, on I'm fleek. Go and see it. Yeah, he's on fleek and he is bae. Yeah, absolutely. And Z- Zendaya is just like, I don't know, I don't know what they use for. She's the queen. The... She's the, she's the nozzle. Yeah. She is the nozzle and he is bae. <laughs> you know, and then they'll be like, oh, would you make a Hugh Jackman? Oh, he's old. You know, whatever. I don't know what people say. These days. Yeah. There is one shot in this, and I say about Hugh Jackman from Weird Angles. There's one shot where I couldn't find Hugh Jackman in the shot. Oh, yeah. And the person it was pointing at, to me, looked like Squidward. <laughs> and I realised <laughs> that was Hugh Jackman. And it was just the way they'd shot him from a, from a slightly weird angle. Just looked His wrong. nose looked massive and he just looked like Squidward to me. And I was like, oh, that's him. That's amazing. <laughs> to find that shot, it's just, it's, I don't know, something about the lens choice or something about the way he was holding his face. He just looked a bit like... Yeah. <laughs> there is one shot uh, that I really liked and I mentioned the kind of like liking Hugh Jackman's face. Um, after uh, the, the the place burns down, he's just sat on the steps and and he, he kind of moves his face around a little bit and his crow's feet have no soot in them. But, it's, but everything else does. I love I loved that. <laughs> yeah, when the critic comes and sits next to him, yeah. yeah. And he, he untenses his face and it's all, yeah. yeah. No, I noticed that too. Especially on um, good. I, the critic character people have gone that as well like any i think film critics tend to dislike any film that has a critic character especially if it's an audience surrogate a bit too close to home probably no. um they went at lady in the water for the same thing and i kind of like that one too oh okay um just where it's kind of like a you sir are a charlatan and you don't get it and then he you know like no you don't get it it's like the well, there was that whole thing wasn't it where it's like uh the smiles are real or whatever yeah yeah, yeah the show might lies. not be real but the smiles are yeah yeah, yeah. And uh, that's fine. Again, I don't know. It's melodrama. What do you expect? Like, right. what do you want it to be? What do you want from a musical, if yeah. not songs and melodrama and lightness and fun? Sure. And that's what this was for me. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I kind of feel the same way about... I think it's good that there's a conversation around um, the, what the real P.T. Barnum was like, but I kind of feel the same way about that. And that it's like, well, do you really want to see him like knocking out a black woman with with booze and then uh, you know removing her teeth forcibly while she's asleep i mean that's something he really did do you really want to see that in a film did he do that yeah why, like why? He needed he needed uh, a, a toothless black person for something like it was like the human gorilla something horrible really unpleasant uh, so he knocked her out with booze and and i don't know ether and 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 removed her teeth with pliers while she's asleep Christ. Like, like he did some really horrible stuff, but is that what you yeah. want from your joyous huge Ackman musical? I, I, that's not what I want. I kind of do now. <laughs> just like just hard cuts from like Zendaya and and Zac Efron having their their their, their like romantic yeah. swing song to to, to... back the songs the songs echoing, and then in the back room he's there just like smashing teeth. Yeah. <laughs> can we can we have the worst showman now? Can we can he do the the worstest showman? 
the 18 rated talking about that actually this is this is completely random slightly off topic thing but the, you know when the um the bastard squad come in they're gonna burn the place yes. down and he goes you and your spook and i yeah. was like whoa whoa so we can get away with spook in a pg now oh is it a pg yeah huh interesting i was a bit kind of like wow okay so there's levels now to this you know racial slurs like what well, we can use at what level i was just kind of like this is that's interesting that is interesting i mean you, you know, know to, to, not to be overly cynical about it but the, the racing system is all bullshit and, and arbitrary as it is so at least here i don't know about the bbfc so much but it seems like movies can get by with you know some really horrific violence but they show one nipple and it's an r you know it's it, yeah they're yeah, they're 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 pretty inconsistent as far as as far as that sort of thing goes. The so, MPAA know, has historically got massive issues. Yes, and even when they've been repeatedly exposed, they don't seem to uh, change them. Weirdly, Warner Brothers can always get away with more, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> they got some pictures. Like, what? Yeah, they got they some pictures. Jack, Jack Valenti with all his teeth. <laughs> get them smashed out by Hugh Jackman. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, over here, I mean, there are the rules have always been quite, you know. Um, well codified yeah I think so I mean uh, for all like for all my young man like right on kind of like anti-censorship uh, shit I mean the BBFC does a good job okay. nowadays you know when when I couldn't watch The Exorcist whenever I wanted that was that made me angry that's fair uh, and you know Cannibal Ferrups was cut <laughs> and stuff like that um, which I probably wouldn't really want to sit down and watch now anyway but um, but you know since since the, the sort of late 90s, I think, that BBFC has become very... Right, yeah. like, And it's very well-defined what its rules are, but the, for something like that to get through in a PG was just kind of like... A little surprising. Okay, I'd be interested to see the notes on that if it got picked up on. Yeah, maybe they just missed it. Could be. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that they would miss, though. Um, no. They, they weren't intending, uh, with Greatest Sherman, they weren't intending to make a historical drama. It was, it was, a, it was supposed to be kind of like a bright and sunny... Uh, celebration of some interesting piece of history. Uh, and it's kind of yeah. interesting that it came around now as well, because I, I don't know, I, I found this out by listening to uh, Pendulette's podcast, Penn Sunday School. Um, but PT, the, but what was left of Barnum and Bailey now closed. It was Ringling Brothers. The name was really, really kind of innocuous. What's the word I'm looking, looking for? It was, it was really hard to pronounce because they had like... Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. <laughs> Uh, it was like Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey's greatest show on earth, but the 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 ends and ampersands were all in like funny places. Oh, okay, that's pretty funny. Um, Do you remember the um, the Barnum musical that was around when we were young? No, who was in that? What was that? Um, your man from uh, Some Mothers Do Have Him in the version I saw. Oh, okay. So yeah, the the until it closed on May twenty first, twenty seventeen, it was known as Ringling Brothers and the word and Barnum ampersand Bailey Circus, and that was how they, they they had to spell it. That's weird. Yeah, the uh, original musical opened in nineteen eighty. The West End one was eighty one, which would have been the one I saw video of, I suppose, and uh, and so on and so forth. Okay, interesting. Uh, no, I've... Michael Crawford with the original London cast. No, Brian no. Connolly in the UK tour cast there. Brian Connolly? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh wow, look at that. It's a puppy. Wasn't that his yeah. catchphrase? Certainly was. Oof. Yeah, there's a whole field of like Brian Connolly, Les Dennis, and Jim Davidson all seem to fall into the same category for me. 
Wow, it was Jim Jim Dale and Glenn Close in the in the, uh, the original version in the US. That's oh a wow, cast, isn't it? that really is a cast, yeah. Good old Jim Dale. Various versions over the years, but uh, the most recent one, uh, 2017 London Revival. Don't remember oh. ever seeing about that. Marcus Brigstock and Laura Pitt Pulford. Laura Pitt Pulford's good. I've seen her. Marcus again. Brigstock. Well, I can kind of see him doing the, it. the snarky guy from Radio Four. Yeah. Everything's crap. You're wrong. Everything sucks. I hate you. I hate everything. I just I could never get on board with him. I, I may may not have shared his political views, but I couldn't get on board with the fact that he just he seemed to make a career out of sneering. No, I I agree. And yeah, either, he, whatever his political him, views, I just couldn't, doing couldn't stand the sneering. But no, I mean, give him if he's if he's kind of diversified to, to not just sneering on the news quiz every every week. Played from 25th of November. Oh, it must still be on now to 3rd of March 2018. I have no, I've never seen sign of this in any of the times I've been in London in the last six months. Huh. So that's interesting. But the, yeah. the original one ran from, uh, or the, the London one rather, ran from 81 until, uh, actually it doesn't have an end date, but it was recorded for the BBC in 1986, which is probably the version I saw of it. Okay. Uh, oh no! It ended in '86, so I guess the BBC filmed it at the end of its run. I guess they wouldn't—they wouldn't have let let them do it before the next bit. Probably not. No, that's that, that's curious. I didn't—I didn't know that, that that existed, quite frankly. Um, or whether any inspiration was drawn from it. I know it was. Uh, it very much wasn't. Put it that way. None of the songs. None of the thing. This this was all very original. Sure. Um, no, no, I wasn't thinking like the actual music and stuff, but may, maybe kind of like the the idea of uh, of of kind of having a story around Barnum and Bailey's, the formation, just, just whether there was any kind of story elements drawn, which I suppose are somewhat historical rather than, than being drawn from something else more likely. Yeah. Well, given that this was Hugh Jackman's thing, I should think he was just kind of like, I'm going to do the bits I like about him. Wasn't a bad bloke. <laughs> That's a good Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Did he write it? No, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have written it. Because it's been coming for something like 12 years or was something. it really? Wow. He's wanted to do it since he was, you know, a star the first time around. Huh, good for him. Uh, Glad they finally got to do it and it's successful. I don't know when they started sort of coming up with the actual... I mean, the story, I should think, has been through a bunch of hands. I know it's actually meant to look this up. Bill Condon was a credited writer on it, who, oh, really? who I quite rate. And I think all the elements I responded to probably come from him. Okay. Um, let me just quickly check. Doesn't he used to be the chief police officer? No. No, he was the uh, Bill Connor was the the man. Who, well, he directed various bits and pieces, but the um, that weren't that weren't great. He did like the Candyman sequel and stuff like that. But the where I arrived at him was Gods and Monsters, the James Whale film. I, I remember the name. I don't think I ever saw it. It's great. Okay. Um, it was one of those ones I rented when I was working at uh, Blockbuster. Oh wow, that long ago. Uh, yeah, very briefly. It was a '99 film oh, or '98, wow. according to this. Huh. And I rented it on video, and I was just bowled over by it. And so ever since then, anything he's been involved in, I've usually kept an eye on, which includes like the Twilight sequels he did and stuff like that. So he's quite good at melodrama. Which and I would think Twilight that some sequels of the... did he do? He did the last two. The last two, because I saw I've seen the first one on a plane and the last one. Those are the only ones I've seen, and 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 the last one I enjoyed far more than I expected to. Um, and I thought it was just because of Martin, not Martin, <laughs> that laugh. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, and pudgy Dakota Fanning, but Martin Chuzzlewit. Martin Chuzzlewit. What's his name? Sheen. I want to say Martin Sheen, but I know that's not right. That's Charlie Sheen's dad. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. There you go. That's why I was getting it there wrong. You go. His first name wrong. Yeah, he directed right Beauty and the Beast last year. Oh, okay. And he also did. He came back into my top ten already with uh, his um, 
another film with uh, with uh, Ian McKellen, who was in Gods and Monsters, by the way, played James Vale in Gods and Monsters. Oh, great. Um, with Mr. Holmes in 2015, where he played an aging Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay. I remember seeing so. trailers for that. And it was one of those, those trailers that popped up before. So... I don't know if this happens in the UK. I d- it didn't when I was last when I last saw a film there. But every every movie chain here has like a a, a pre show that they show now, and it's generally like stuff from TV or ads for new products. Oh, my, my arms like that. Um, it's, I was, I like I, it. I was, it was the screen. <laughs> so it's all up on the screen. Um, but then they'll sometimes have like an extended not necessarily behind the scenes, but like look at uh, a film that's coming up. And I think that was in one of those. And it was like coming to select theaters in, you know, it didn't get, a, I don't think it got a full release, but I seem to have a memory of it doing that. Yeah, we don't, we still don't have that. I mean, you get the 10 minutes before you get the trailers of just bullshit. Just ads. Most, yeah, most of the time, if you get into the, it's not like over there where you'll walk in and there'll always be something projected on the screen. It'll just be the screen sat there if you're there okay. early. I'm never there early anymore thinking about it. I don't really? know the last time I got to film early. I'm usually there sometime in the ads before it gets to the trailer that's usually about my my point to arrive you still stay to the I'm end though, right racing from something <laughs> you still stay all the way to the end though right most of the time yeah, yeah. almost almost all the time in fact i, I uh, do unless i have a, a bathroom emergency and i've like been holding it then that's that i will stay to the end that, that, that's a habit i picked up from you and I, I never did that before before we started going to films together but, but I, I like it I, I like it too. Yeah, I like the music, and I also kind of, I've, I've retconned a, a reason for it to to, to, my, to myself. So it kind of feels like a show of respect to all the people involved. You know, every name on there, they did some hard work that that helped with this, and I, their name deserves to be at least thrown past my eyes, even if I don't read it. Yeah, well, I'm replying to text messages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> listen to the music. Yeah, no, I usually stay till the end. I have to admit, no, but I'll usually if they, you know, the poor teenagers have got to sw- wipe up all the bullshit. Uh, I'll get out of that way. Yeah. I hang around. I'll just be like, "Don't worry about me. Just yeah, fucking do whatever you got to do." Mm-hmm. No, but I usually go to films where they're dead anyway most of the time, so it's not like it's not, not too much deal. of an issue. The amount of times no one walks in on me, and I could just probably stay in there for the next one. Nice. So, um. Anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, no, I tell you the one thing. There are there are a lot of moments in this film where they bugger up big easy things, just cuts and oh really? Okay. Uh, transitions and things between moments, and I'm just kind of like. Did something get cut or did they run out of money or like what happened there? Like there's a bunch yeah. of that, but then they get these perfect little moments, right? Okay. Interesting. Like stupid little visual shit. Yeah. You just be kind of like, that's really delicately like hit a nail on the head. Like somehow the only one I can think of, which is probably the broadest one is where the, the mother and the daughters are having fun when he's away on tour. Yeah. And it just kind of, the camera's just with them like that. And then it sort of tilts down. Well, it's not tilt, it's a move. So the camera moves down on the table and they're having fun and you just see this head of the table chair just empty. Oh, that's nice. And it's just like kind of like, it's it's good, but she knows he's not there. And I think that leads into her song where he's there as a ghost or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, before he uh, uh, comes back after the infidelity stuff breaks. Yes, yes. Um, but there's a lot of little little moments like that. And it is melodrama and I like melodrama. But yeah. I think it's I think a lot of it's kind of definitely handled. Um, but then there are there are big moments that just just duff you know you're just kind yeah. of awkward yeah and, and there were a few bits that i was a little bit surprised at where when he's on on the train going away it kind of felt like one of those cardboard cutout moments that you get from a wes anderson movie in terms of just the visual style of it and, and there was were, that when he ran for the train i think so yeah i, I don't quite yeah. recall it's been a few weeks but but i remember there was there was just a few moments where i was like this looks like 
one of those, and maybe it was intentional. This looks like one of those old Hollywood musicals that's clearly shot on a set. Yeah. Uh, and they're not making any effort to make it not look like a set. Like, you know, uh, some of the stuff in Singing in the Rain or White Christmas where there's a, there's a flat behind them and, and, you know, clearly it's a flat and no one really cares that it's a flat, but it looks like one nonetheless. And there were a few moments like that where I was like, is this intentional or is this just, you know, we, we, we built a set and it looks what it looks like. No, I, I, I would agree on that. Um, there are moments where they go for abstract, I think. So they'll just have smoke and parts of things. Sure. They clearly did build some degree of sets. Oh, definitely. But that bit yeah. where they're running, the bit where he's running for the train, he runs down the streets they built, mm-hmm. and then maybe he runs past something real. And then there's a bit where it just kind of fudges a moment, and he grabs a rail, and then he's suddenly on a CGI train, but the CGI train is not good. No. And it goes into these that. weird kind of PS1 level hills. Yeah. And I'm like, is that. Is that another moment where they just kind of run out of time or money? Yeah, I don't know because because it didn't it didn't just didn't quite work as a moment, but like it didn't matter by that point. No, I was it already didn't. sold and, on it anyway. And maybe that's that was their perspective on it. Was like, yeah, it doesn't look the best, but it's not consequential, so don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it, kid. There'll be there'll be something else along in a minute. They won't notice. Yeah, they'll, they'll, we'll start singing a song in a minute. No, no one will remember this. Except yeah, picky picky bitches who have a podcast on the internet. Yeah. Those picky internet podcast pitches. Um, but no, like I said, there's there's a lot of little moments in it I liked, and it really got, it got me in different moments. I, yeah, I get the the questionability of the content and and why in a in you know in the era of Trump you can't really try and retcon a a character who apparently smashed some lady's teeth out um, into being a kind of he was a good guy kind right. of thing, you know. Right. Um, so I get all that, but then. I don't know, because I, I can't argue, you know, because it's difficult to argue for this without sounding like you're arguing for the other people as well, because it's it can be seen as overtly political. But I don't think it does the, down the message of, like, even in there, there are moments where he turns on them. Yes. Yeah, when he's, like, and, swept up know, in his own fame. Yeah, and he becomes a bit of a bad bloke all the same. And But that only spurs them on to... to Win him back almost. Well, both win him back and also assert even more of their own self-confidence. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not the least for this is me, actually. Yeah. This is brave. This is bruised. This is who I'm meant to be. This is me. I know I'm having champagne. Fuck off. Yeah. I think... Is it? Or it's it's for one of the songs, definitely. I don't know if it's This Is Me. I thought that came earlier in the film, but I could be wrong. I can't remember now. But anyway, yeah. Because uh, cause I think the, the, there's the bit at the end, isn't there, where, where they're in the bar and he's kind of lost everything and, and that's when they kind of come back together almost. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting film because I feel like it's, even though it's a historical and ignores a great swathe of, 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 of what P.T. Barnum did, the bad things that he did, I still think overall it's, it's kind of sending out a fairly good message of inclusion and acceptance. So it's in an odd place. But if you're the person who wants to hear those messages and you are given to um, being very critical of the way they're delivered and what you want from them, I can see how this is also a, you know, a tinder dry stack waiting to go up in flames. True. But is it after those people or is it after the people who don't think that way already or who are on the fence or haven't thought about the notion of, of kind of accepting people for who they are? I think I think it's it's not going for 
kind of confirmation bias in a way by by presenting something that's very honest and truthful uh, that will play into the narrative of those people who already think about this stuff. I think it's kind of going after the more general, less thinking public who might kind of have not thought about uh, let's let's just kind of like like people for who they are and, and not care about what they look like or, or what background they're from. Uh, it's a question. I'm not saying that that is what it's doing, but but it's kind of a thought about it. I I don't think other than the you know let's be nice to everyone isn't life great kind of approach to it. I'm not sure that it was that considered. I think the fact that it's come out in the era of a lot of these things is unfortunately to its detriment in a way. Yeah, I don't think right. you would be asking if we weren't in the you know hashtag Me Too and a lot of those kind of things right sure. now. I don't think you you know we're in a kind of era of such activism mm-hmm. that uh, I think if it had come out come out in like '05, I don't think you'd be asking the same questions of it. No, probably not. No, you're right. And um, I wonder how it'll be remembered, if it's remembered, or whether it will just be a kind of touchstone for a generation, and that'll be it. Yeah, what what I kind of thought about it as well a little bit, and this goes back to the whole having contemporary musical styles in it, is is are we going to look back on this in 20 years and be like, oh, look, it's Starlight Express from the 2010s. And it's Could just going to it is gonna age absolutely horribly because of the musical style that's so contemporary. I don't know. A PS1 train isn't going to age particularly well. This is true, yeah. But it's hard to tell with those sorts of things when you're in the moments as to, as to how, how badly they're going to age. Because I'm... I'm I remember a distinct moment in my childhood in the mid nineties and, and seeing like things from the eighties and the seventies and sixties and being like, Oh, things look so different than they, the eighties and seventies and sixties had very definite styles and thinking, but the nineties has no style. So it's going to be forever. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah, look yeah. back and I'm like, Oh, like center parted, like shaved under haircuts and, and you know, bright neon colors and all that kind of shit. And it's like, Oh man, Shit, really shitty suits. suits yeah yeah with like yeah. t-shirts underneath and stuff and and i'm like wow it really did have a style you just couldn't see at that time and that kind of taught me a lesson when i realized that i was like okay mm-hmm. every era has its style it's just you can't see it at the time yeah yeah so i mean i, I wonder if there is going to be a bit of a starlight express xanadu type effect to it where, where we're going to look back on it at some point and be like this is dated really badly but then like do you still enjoy the stuff from the 90s that you enjoyed then like i think the I, yeah. the people who grew up with it that i think there'll be a warm nostalgia for this film definitely yeah and and i think that's the case with things like like xanadu style express that might go to examples there where the, the the people who who were contemporary to them very much still enjoy them and somewhat unironically it's not like they're kind of like watching like i, I could probably watch xanadu and be like that's hilarious look how look at all we the silly did. disco stuff yeah we, we, we did live yeah. we did that's true yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Great angel. Uh, <laughs> hi, Lindsay. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> um, they're not listening. Anyway, uh, wouldn't expect them to. <laughs> no, uh, but but I would think that uh, I, I would think absolutely I, we'll probably still look back on this and be like, oh, I remember that. That was good. Um, but I wonder if future generations who didn't grow up with it will be like, oh man, that's so twenty tens. Yeah, probably. Uh, but I can also see. Um, so okay, right. I'm trying to think of an example right now. Um, thinks through plays that have me run out. I can see a generation that's like sixteen now going to a Broadway, not Broadway, but like a play revival of this in yeah. like twenty years with oh, their kids. Yeah, definitely. So any time between now and twenty thirty eight, 
I could see this becoming a, a and given the way things work now, probably sooner, um, becoming a, a musical that will be put on live for an audience that remembers it fondly as a film. Yep, I can definitely see that. And 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 maybe going and then it becomes a touchstone for another generation. That's how things, you know, it'll be reorchestrated, I suppose, so it's a bit less 2010s poppy. But the messages are still valid. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's. It, I'm talking purely about the. The, the kind of surface style of it rather than yeah. the, the, the deeper meaningful stuff. So, and yeah, I think you're right. I think that's, I don't know, I can see it being an intergenerational kind of touchstone. Not, no, not, you know, not a wildly important one, but one people remember. Yeah. So. No, but, but so, so to, to kind of go back to something I mentioned in downsizing, uh, since I, 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 I had that moment of, of, oh, I think I'm going to hate this. And then I was into it. And then I, I've, the, the more I've thought about it, kind of like the less I want to see it again and the, and the, the less I've kind of liked it really. I mean, I, I didn't, I haven't gone, gone to the point of like disliking it because, you know, I, I'd, I'd still like to live in a world where it's not just everything's love and hate. I try, try not to live in that world. Uh, but, but that's I, I what definitely... you've got to do. That's, the, that's what you've got to do. You've got to either love something or hate something. You've got to be crazy about it. You really hate it. <laughs> we live in it is but my, my fondness for it has dwindled somewhat since um but oh, really? maybe if i saw it again i would feel differently i don't know it could just be my distance from it um I, I've, I've as time's gone on i've just been like yeah I, I could be fine never never seeing that again interesting i would not necessarily say the opposite but i, I felt i once i was into downsizing i was quite watching it quite keenly yeah and um and i would watch it again obviously but i don't know whether i would watch it i definitely wouldn't go back to cinema to watch it again no, and i, I probably do that. Whereas I can imagine going back to see Greatest Showman again before it shows, finishes its run, okay, sometime in the summer probably if it keeps going. <laughs> yeah, um, keeps going at this this rate. Yeah, yeah, just to just to kind of recapture the moments of it I really did like, okay. and the, the ones that I felt like, although very superficial, did did get me, and um, I can see myself doing that in the next couple of weeks if I've got time. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I did like it, but yeah, I don't. I can't imagine after that, other than maybe watching part of it on television. I can't imagine myself returning to it again. Fair enough. Yeah, I like both these films. I, I saw three films this week, and I, I, it's a giant toss-up to see which uh, which one was the best. Okay, what was the other one? Yeah. Uh, Phantom Thread Phantom with uh, okay. with uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson film. Who was the man I was confusing in my head with uh, uh, Alexander Payne earlier on when I thought I'd got that wrong. Oh, okay. Um, who did sort of There Will Be Blood and uh, Punch He's, Drunk Love um, and stuff. The, the most recent interviewee guest ho uh, on the Adam Buxton podcast. Really? really? Yeah, it just came out yesterday, I believe. So I, I'd started to listen to it, but I haven't gotten into uh, only just gotten into his interview um, with, with him or his discussion with him. So um, yeah, they, they, they were talking about Johnny Greenwood at the time because I think Johnny Greenwood's done done a lot of music for him. Sorry about that. Radiohead. I just dropped a thing down there. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, no, Johnny Greenwood, uh, up for an Oscar nom for the score for uh, Phantom Thread. Right. After being cruelly denied one for There Will Be Blood because part of it was recorded before the film was made. Oh, that sucks. The... Which was a technicality, so no, that was a searing score, like real painful score. Yeah, he's really managed um, to, to leverage his career from, from Radiohead into a, a pretty pretty good film film score career, and, and the stuff that I've heard he, he's done is truly fantastic. Yeah. So. Um, and yeah, Phantom Thread is a is good and surprisingly hilarious. I laughed quite a lot. Through. Oh, good. Okay, maybe I have to even though not not in the that. way you expect. Okay. <laughs> Don't think it's funny. Oh, no, no, no. There's a lot of laughs to be had. Mm. Um, 
but no, all of those three, like all in different ways, I kind of needed all of them this week. And okay. um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know which I would call the best, really. Hard to compare so, them in terms of... They were, like, I, the, the I feel dis- they were all pretty good. D- disparate in terms of uh, genres, though. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. But all very singular visions, actually, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily... I suppose Great Showman isn't as much of a kind of authored vision, but it's definitely what they plan to make. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost feels like an a, a, like a passion piece in that way, a passion project type thing, because it does seem like Hugh Jackman has a lot of love for this 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 film, and uh, just yeah. likes top hats and red coats. He and does any film that allows him to have a top hat and a red coat. Well, I mean, and he's got his his, his body shape is such that he kind of looks good in anything as well, and so I mean, he just still looks like giant Wolverine man in, in this. So I don't think P.T. Barnum was quite as stacked. As it was going along, it was clear that different parts of it were different parts of the uh, the sort of come down from Logan because his hair and body shape were all over the shop. Oh, Hence really? The one shot where he looked like Squidward. <laughs> um, sometimes his face was quite wide, like he was kind of clearly underneath the thing. He was beefy, and his hair, his sideburns, and his hair changed color a lot. Oh, okay. And, uh, and things like that. It's just random little things I noticed. They don't spoil my enjoyment, but I can't no. not notice them. So I guess bits of this were filmed here there and everywhere if they did some reshoots okay that makes sense um but uh yeah it was occasionally it was uh but every time he took the hat off his hair was perfect yes that's true <laughs> so and i like zach efron in it as well i'm undeniably at this point i have to i have to say i'm a zach efron fan which he's is good. embarrassing but no he's good i, I mean I've... but it's only embarrassing because of how he started off in the business you know the high school musical things uh yes so but I, like i said in, uh, earlier on it wasn't until the the, the end credits i was like that's zach efron because i don't think i've seen anything that he's been in since he became a man i think i've only ever seen clips of shit that he was in when he was a child so i have uh, i can't remember there was one year whether it was 2015 or not i'll look it up where where i i had to that was when i first acknowledged like after at this point i have to say i'm a fan mm-hmm. because i've been to see three zach efron films that year <laughs> um nice. Not all of them good, but I enjoyed each one. Let me put yeah. in. But he's a good, like, modern star, if that makes sense. He is, yeah. yeah he's, I mean, he's a decent actor, so... As yeah, he doesn't seem to be a horrible piece of shit. No. Okay, so are we done on Sherman? Is there anything else you want to talk about that? I think I think we covered a fair amount of it, but um, I, I feel no, like... I feel like we didn't really talk about it at all. No. Yeah, I think we did. No, so, no. We talked I about kind of like yeah. everything surrounding it, I suppose, rather than yeah. more about the, the content of it. But, you know, the content of it is uh, singing and dancing, so... Singing and dancing. Two of the yeah. best things. I thought there were some pretty good performances in it. I, I, I thought that... I liked the, the bearded lady um, was... She clearly has a very good voice, but it was a, it was almost a bit too much on the screechy side for my liking oh, okay i mean it was clearly very powerful and very well controlled but there was just the, the the force behind it just made it a little bit yeah jarring um but i thought she was she was an excellent performer um one performance that i did notice that was kind of more of a background performance was the the super tattooed guy with the beard was like a okay. phenomenally good dancer Oh really? Yeah. Okay. If you if you watch it again, watch for him in the background of some of the scenes. He's just the, the the man moves like it's nothing. It's pretty impressive. Um. But yeah, it was. I I I enjoyed a lot a lot of that stuff. Um. It was yeah. It was it was good. It was enjoyable. Um. I liked the lady who played the queen. She made me laugh because she looked nothing like the queen, and I liked her guffaw when. Yeah. Um. I thought the Zendaya and and, uh, and Zac Efron romance was was it, it was really surface level, but I really liked the way it was played, just like with the hands touching each other and everything. Yeah, and then the stuff with his parents when mm-hmm. she was in that ridiculous uh, dress. Yes. Um, 
uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else we haven't touched on that I really liked. No, I don't think. I think we. I think we hit most of it. But yeah, no. I, I like I say. I like. I liked it for everything it was without delving too deep into what other people are criticizing it for. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with uh, you. It's not perfect, but I, I greatly enjoyed it. Yeah, that's 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 how I felt about it as well. I mean, but, but like I said, with the with the caveat of the fact that I've kind of cooled on it a little bit since I since I saw it, but um, maybe another interesting to see if I did. That. Yeah. So. Um, I just found it, like I said, quite helpful and stuff. The um, the audience thing, if you want me to do that before we yes, close. Yes, let's, let's do that. So um, there was, uh, it's the only screening where I've seen adults and children dance their way out of the uh, uh, the auditorium afterwards. Oh. And, uh, oh but there was, the, what really got me was the, there was these, these couple of, there was a family basically that had gone to see it and they had a daughter who was in a wheelchair. And uh, and they had two boys who would just bounce around the cinema like nobody's business dancing and whatnot. And the little girl started dancing with them in the wheelchair like she was driving the wheelchair around. Like nice. and they were all going around in circles and stuff, okay. just dancing to, as, as this is me played again. On the, the credits. And it's, yeah, and it's you know, it's the IMAX, so it's this fucking huge screen. Yeah. And they're they're going around in a big gap from the from the front row where she had to sit with her wheelchair through to the through the, the thing. They were all just charging around on that. And then there was the, the there was a couple of girls who I guess would have been in their early twenties who danced their way out as well when they went and stuff. And I was just sat there, just taking in the music, just yeah. And I was kind of like, I just started crying <laughs> at it all, just seeing this little girl just charge around in a wheelchair, just having loved it and probably having seen something of representation in it. Yeah, that's really that's like, really touching. It really was. It really was. So I had a I had a little cry, and mm-hmm. uh, and eventually the parents were kind of like. Come on, you fuckers! You know, yeah. Come on, you bloody <laughs> and dragged them all. Um, yeah, and uh, and dragged them all out, and then and then yeah, just really got me. That's lovely. Me. I like so, that. Okay, that's nice. Really, really weird sort of audience cross section stuff this week. Yeah, and Phantom Thread was busy as well. That was an older audience, hmm. and only some of them were laughing. Only some of them were realizing that it was funny. Okay, which was which was telling about some of the jokes in there, but. Uh, there's a so, film yeah. that I would see somewhat recently that that happened in where where there was there were a couple of laugh moments and and I got a look. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, there was literally kind of a, a turn around and a kind of like an, a somewhat indignant like why are you laughing? That's not funny kind of look and it was like no, that's a funny moment, but I can't remember what it was. Damn it, I wish I could. And he never did remember, so I thought I'd cut it off there. Um we, I, I forgot to mention this in the open, but I'm currently sat in uh, one of the parks in Oxford where the Gifford Circus is currently playing, um, which is what you can hear in the background. And, uh, and I thought I'd just record it here with the, with the music and the cheers of the crowd going off and hopefully uh, no clowns walking by uh, while I'm here. Because um, I, don't, I don't like them. I never did. Um, but the circus itself promises to be wilder and more magical than ever. Um, so uh, so I'll probably just leave it leave it playing for a while for you. Catch you next week everyone. <laughs>